This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Hello and welcome to NL Hafta episode 198. Angrez apna lagan aur News Laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi bholte. So remember, subscribe to News Laundry, pay to keep uh, news independent. When corporations pay, corporations are served. When governments pay, politicians are served. And when the people pay, public is served. We're just two episodes away from our 200th episode uh, where all you subscribers are going to come and be part of it. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We've already sent you details on this. In case you're wondering why I'm hosting this episode, it's because Abhinandan is away on a foreign tour, <laughs> drinking beer and having sausages in Germany. Actually, no, he's working really hard. Yeah, he's working hard. He's there for a conference. So I'm just going to be uh, replacing him for this episode. We have with us Madhutrehan. Hi. Raman Kirpal. Hello. And we have with us a very special guest, Mihira Sood. Hi. Hi, Mihira. Mihira is a Supreme Court lawyer and currently researching the Indian feminist movement and its use of criminal law. I thought that was very interesting and we should discuss some of that. Uh, she specializes in women's rights. She writes columns for the Indian Express, Huffington Post and other publications. And uh, for those of you who are longtime listeners of Hafta, you'd remember that she was also part of the 83rd episode of Hafta, where we discussed the uh, Faruqi, Mahmood Faruqi judgment from the High Court. Uh, we have a lot of things to discuss today. Me Too is uh, back in the conversation. Caravan came out with um, this a special issue on it. Their cover story was uh, on OML and Vijay Nair and a culture of uh, a toxic culture which kind of promoted uh, harassment of employees. OML has responded to that. They've responded a very, given a very detailed response to that story and raised some questions on it. Uh, there was also a story on India Today's Gaurav Savant, uh, who was also accused of uh, sexual harassment by Vidya Krishnan. Gaurav Savant has also sent a defamation notice to the caravan and he's refuted those allegations. So maybe we can discuss this since we have Meera with us and uh, she'd have a lot of things to tell us about the Sexual Harassment Act. And uh, the general tone and tenor of the Me Too movement. We had a very interesting development in the US where Fox, uh, where CNN sued the White House for uh, not allowing their reporter to... For removing his credentials rem- to the White House. Yeah. And wondering if that could ever happen in India. There was also the ANI interview. An interesting the- part about that one hmm. is that numerous other news organizations have joined in. And the most notable thing is that Fox has also. Yeah, yeah. There's a solidarity there where, which we don't... I mean, an NDTV or a Republic would sort of never come on the same page. Even though I don't know if there's a comparison. No, but listen, Fox in all fairness to our mm. media, when I was uh, served in contempt of court notice, every single news organization stood by me. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen in my case. <laughs> I was just singled out. Yeah. I left the newspaper. Even the newspaper did not, uh, you know, sponsor my legal fight. And uh, the fight was happening in Lucknow. And I was here in Delhi, I was in Hyderabad, I was in Jammu and Kashmir also, Bombay also. So every time, nobody sponsored me. That happens Ex- to a lot of lo- uh, lot of reporters actually, they find themselves alone sometimes yeah. when they're... Uh, there was also uh, the ANI interview with the Dassault Aviation CEO. I thought that was very interesting. A lot of questions were raised on the sort of uh, questions that were asked. People thought it was a very soft interview and it was nicely timed around... Uh, the hearing also. Um, BBC has come out with a research on fake news and they say that in India, nationalism is the driving force behind fake news. And right-wing networks are more organized in pushing these stories. No surprises there. Uh, Amnesty International reduced Ambassador of Conscience Award from... About time. Yeah. 
we've been discussing this for almost six months now. I think no, you've been. I've been saying it from the time she, yeah. time she came out and she came to India. I said, what has she achieved? What has she done other than meet world leaders with flowers in her hair? Yeah. <laughs> so let's get right into it. Um, let's start with Mihira. Before we began recording, we you were telling me that you had a lot of misgivings with the current sexual harassment law. Yeah. I just wanted to know. I thought that was interesting because you you work with you you're researching on the Indian feminist movement. Why do you think it's? Uh, uh, I think that there are a number of problems with it. You know, to to start with, just by way of background, if you read the the Verma Committee recommendations, which I was part of, at that time this act was just a bill, and it was something that we looked at, and our recommendations were very strongly against it, and we had recommended a completely different scheme of protection, which you know, at the government, perhaps in its haste or for whatever reason, ignored, and. After the recommendations were passed, um, it just picked up the bill as it was and uh, passed it into an act. At the core of our um, misgiving with the with the bill was that the ICC can never be truly independent. The the way it's set up and looking at the reality of workplaces in India, primarily the act does apply to corporate workspaces. There's um, been an attempt in the definitions, of course, to broaden that, but you know, in reality, we're looking primarily at the corporate workspace. You have uh, you know, a committee with members from within the organization who would feel beholden to the management of the organization. Um, they're required to be senior employees. The In most of the cases, the accused is in a far senior position to the complainant and uh, would end up being far closer personally um, to the people on the ICC as well as being perceived as more indispensable to the management. Mm. Uh, you have the provision of an external member, but again, that person A has no veto power You know, in the deliberations. The, the decisions are usually taken by consensus. The Act doesn't really specify uh, how the decisions are to be taken, but the norm is that it's done by consensus. That external person is also paid by the management and, you know, this has become a profession of sorts as well, where you have people serving as external members on various ICCs of, you know, numerous mm. uh, numerous corporates and, um, you know, are essentially on their payroll. So the independence of the ICC is severely compromised, uh, which is something that we had been, we had severe misgivings about. Uh, the, the act is very ambiguous on the role of the police at one place, for instance, and, and this is something that we see coming out with Me Too again and again. I'm very uncomfortable, for instance, when people say police should take sumo to cognizance mm. because I feel very strongly that these are, um, you know, how, how to take a complaint forward has to be, you know, with the, with the victim, with the complainant, if she is a complainant. That is, if she has approached the, the authorities. Um, the act is very ambiguous at one place. It says that the ICC and the organization should assist her, should she, in whatever manner possible, should she choose to file a police complaint. And at another place, it in fact says that they have to take it upon themselves to file that police complaint, whether or not she wants it. Okay. You know, so I mm -hmm. think that the question of the agency of the victim in terms of how she wants to proceed is not something that is foregrounded in this act or in fact in any of our conversations about Me Too today when we talk about mm. sumoto cognizance and, and all of that. Mm. No, that's true for a lot of like when the MJ Akbar story came out and even uh, some of the stories where it's not really harassment, it's what is being described as assault. Even I, you know, felt that some 
some of these stories uh, the police should take so much of cognizance but it's true that if it really has to be the complainant's prerogative whether she wants to because a lot of the times some of these stories like the caravan story on Gaurav Savant it really comes across as a story where she wants closure she's put out uh, what she's put out but she's not she really wants to put this out as to sort of end silence but there's no demand for or no really conversation about yeah. whether she wants the organization to fire him yeah. or if she wants the police to take action or if she wants this guy to sort of lose his job or whatever it's really about her speaking about what she was quiet about 15 years ago this is again i mean it's one person yeah. word against another yeah. right now very little investigation is happening whether you see it journalistically or you see uh, the police nobody is stepping in like uh, if uh, say in case of gorov savant only i mean if you are re- she has uh, given her uh, narrative yeah. now that entire narrative needs to be reconstructed if you want to take any legal action hmm. so uh, yes in this case you are right i mean it sounds like a closer yeah. more like a closer she's, than she's pretty, though in uh, the story there is one corroborating detail that they have added is that immediately after this incident she spoke to her boyfriend then and cried to him and told him what has happened so the reporter did check with the now former no, partner what i feel that there you can have even material evidences for ex- instance it happened 15 years ago so if you go to the army and find out what junket it was mm. and whether who were the members mm. so that is one way of establishing yes that, two of that them they were at least present ah, there present together there. so so That's i true. think the reconstruction requires several i mean various stages so that is not happening in any of the cases in fact mm. any of the cases so so this Which is, is why then they're open to sort of mm. notices that yeah. are being yeah Moving on from that, uh, the ANI editor-in-chief Smita Prakash interviewed uh, Dassault Aviation CEO Eric Crapier, who basically said that Congress's allegations are all crap, and it was our decision to go with Anil Ambani, and there's no, uh, there was no pressure on us, and there's no question of crony capitalism there. And he also said CEOs don't lie, which was really picked up by everyone because that that's a lie. <laughs> that we have to say we are rolling our eyes. <laughs> Yeah, and also ANI always manages to get stories which makes somehow makes the Modi government look good. Whether it's finding some It guy, it was orchestrated yeah. completely. I mean, when it comes to the interview, uh, if you just see how the entire thing started, and when the opposition started building up pressure, there was also pressure from the interest groups like uh, Prashant Bhushan, Arun Chowdhury. I mean, they 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 were work, they, pressure groups, so they were also putting pressure on these. Th- then then the government came up with. its own narrative to defend itself mm. so i think ana ana interview is just part of it mm. it is it happened because the government wanted it and uh, the ceo spoke what the government wanted it so no this, questions no disturbing questions were asked this government gets uh, an award for media management yeah <laughs> absolutely in every form whether absolutely. it's television interviews or planting stories in print or social media whatever they're quite amazing they are very organized i must say not only in this also making nationalism uh, the driving force you know mm-hmm. uh, all over uh, did you read the you read the bbc uh, uh, bbc story on how fake uh, news the, the fake news and how you know it's the uh, in its primary usage in india is by the indian right wing indian right wing 
that is true and that's really no surprise i mean all the top sort of postcard news or satya vijay and all and these fake news you can tell that they're being directed because they're all identical yeah regardless of the platform regardless of the publication or person who says i have no affiliation with it but they're all spouting the exact same mm. lines i, I mm. think it in fairness it damages the right wing view so because i think in a country like ours it's important to have an intellectual right wing group also and somehow it's gotten into this uh, right wings have just gotten into a troll mentality but also i, th- which I, in I don't India. think is is healthy because if you recall like arun shori is a good right wing mm. uh, intellectual and a good spokesperson for the right wing but he used to be no now is he now uh, well he's still a cons- i mean he's still, he's still right a conservative yeah. he's still right wing but the fact is that he's against modi's government is a separate issue but that means that right wing is not only limited to modi's, modi's government yeah. mm. so the point is that there is A, a strong right wing uh, element in in his whatever he does his writing or speeches or whatever and i think that is a, that is a, a miss because even in america for example there was a time where there was a very powerful right wing intellectual william buckley and left wing govidal and there were all these bouts that happened and debates and everything between right wing and left wing that is clearly missing because right now it's troll versus liberals i think before we wrap up we should discuss uh, the cnn um, uh, filing lawsuit against trump uh, and then you guys can tell me if there's anything else you'd like to discuss what do you think of that madhu and do you see that happening in india ever under any government congress think, or bjp i think i think it's wonderful hmm. um and what is really even more wonderful is that all many numerous list of organizations have joined cnn in this including fox news hmm. where the president gave a statement hmm. saying that we stand by them because nobody should be ba- barred from doing their job i think if it ever happened in india there's a very good chance that the case would be won because one thing that this our courts have really been serious about is if somebody attacks or prevents a person from carrying on with their livelihood hmm. so if your livelihood is threatened our courts have taken a very serious cognizance of it so i think that would be a really good case whether a news organization would even file say now i know of a of a reporter in a news organization who's been barred from army briefings okay he hasn't told his bosses because if he tells his bosses that he's barred from army he loses his job because what use does he have if he's barred from from uh the briefing so he waits outside and his friends come out and then they brief him now the same thing is that there are journalists who've lost their jobs because they've been denied access hmm. so bjp ministers will not go to these interviews hmm. by a particular reporter or, or not a, come on their not come. channel or so their then, show so then so then the uh, the editor or the owners will say that what use is this guy if none of the people in power are going to talk to him so that person is then gotten rid of so i think this is an uh, a very important issue in which the government uh, can do all kinds of things to jeopardize a journalist's work i think that's very interesting that you raise that if a journalist was to approach the courts against a ban on them attending a conference or being allowed into a party uh, headquarters they could win because it's a threat to livelihood carrying on their livelihood well up did it mm. you remember i think 2 years ago when they stopped journalists from coming in to up 
Uh-huh. Yeah, they did it. They, they did even that. evicted some guys off their WhatsApp. Yeah. I mean, even Congress does. Congress doesn't allow Republican. Republic to enter. <coughs> Times now they're fine with. They don't. In today's news, apparently CBI has a WhatsApp group in which oh. they disseminate information. Yeah. And in that, they've thrown off one. No, thrown off that is one. that is more. Uh, I tell you what. Has, what is happening in the CBI? Uh, there are two camps. Very clearly, two camps. Uh, so, uh, but but even in that case, the CBI PRO should not, you know, uh, remove the uh, reporter from the WhatsApp group. But uh, they are cl- uh, these. The, there's one camp which is anti uh, CBI director. They are the ones who are troubling, uh, you know, this PRO a lot. <laughs> so so I think out of anger he removed one of them. Then he included somebody else from Pioneer, and that person then exited himself. <laughs> Must have been told wow. that listen, if they're chucking out Pioneer, you can't get in. But do you but see this happening? But they all are running in- a campaign. You, you also feel very sorry. I mean, I know for that matter this DNA uh, and the Pioneer. I mean, they are running a kind of campaign against uh, CBI director. Hmm. And these days, I mean, uh, you don't question, you know, if, even if you question, you issue a, a rejoinder. So nobody is going to publish it because everybody is campaigning the, in the media. And especially when it's pa- uh, stories about the CBI, ah. they, none of the CBI people can actually go on record. They're not allowed to speak to the press. So it's always plants so, and... It's interesting how in India, the government, any government, has been able to... Really, really like set the terms of its relationship with the media rather than the other way around. No, this yeah. government has been more powerful in that. Much more. In the sense By that there certainly. are no press conferences. Yeah, yeah. And Narendra Modi has not given a single press conference. It's a one-way street, yeah. uh, monkey bath. And, and, and what it what he's achieved, so it's, it's very insidious. They're just talking. Very insidiously, what he's achieved is you have media literally like... There's no question of solidarity because they're all jumping over each other to get that one scrap, that one scoop of information, that one, you know, there's, if they just banded together, they could renegotiate the terms and say, you know what, you're fighting an election. We're not going to give you any coverage unless you give us the kind of access we want on our terms. And what would happen but if, say, all the media got together exactly. and demanded you know, a press kind of, conference on Narendra Modi? The kind of power Modi. that the media that has, they're just not using because they don't want to stick together, they're too scared, they don't know what's going to happen. But, lit- I mean, in an election year, the media has all the power. Yeah, and it's true it's that... more they- than the scary thingy. I mean, I think they have... They have become part of the government. The me- many media groups that they I know. Pa- they'll become part of any government. Ah. I mean, Narendra I Modi announced it the week he became prime minister. He says the media is not going to decide the conversation. We are. And they have. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.